Hi everybody, this is Joseph Bradford, a.k.a. L.O.T.R. Lore, the reporter for the Quest Gaming Network and Elder Scrolls Off the Record. And this is the this week's edition of the Host Journal. I wanted to talk to you guys today about a very dear topic to me. It's the topic of music and how music affects each and every one of us. There is not a single person on this planet who has not heard music of some kind. Whether it be listening to the radio, watching TV, watching a movie, playing a video game. Each one of these facets of our life have music around us. Uh, you can actually say that listening to just noise outside is music. Music, to me, is, is very near to, to my heart. I come from a very musical background. I come from a very musical city. I wasn't born in Las Vegas, but I've lived here my entire life. And Las Vegas has been known throughout its history, not just for being a gambling town, for you know the obvious things that Vegas is known for, it's also been known for having one of the biggest and best jazz music scenes in the world. And that has not slowed with the 21st century. While a lot of the shows on the strip may be going towards having recordings instead of a live orchestra, the music scene out here in Vegas is still very, very real. We just opened up a new music center called the Smith Center, and there will be Broadway plays from New York coming to this, this Smith Center. It's actually been sold out since it opened a few months back. My background, though, personally, is I come from a very musical family. Every person in my family sings. My father is, in my opinion, one of the best singers I've ever heard. And I might be a little biased, but you guys, if you'd have heard him sing, you'd probably think that as well. My father is good enough to be a singer on the strip. He's good enough to have made a career out of this. Instead, he ended up joining the military when my mother and him first got married back about 30 years, actually, yeah, 30 years ago. They just celebrated the 30th anniversary. And he did 24 years in the Air Force. Never really got to have the opportunity to see what he could do as a musician gigging around town, especially after we got stationed in Vegas. And his co-workers, they noticed how great of a musician he was, because even now that he's been retired, he still gets called by all of the commanders and such on the Air Force Base to sing the Star Spangled Banner at retirement ceremonies. He sings at funerals, he sings at the chapel there. Whenever they have uh, some special events going on, he's one of the first people they call because they know he's willing to do it and he's good. My father, my, my younger brother and I all also are instrumentalists. My father and my brother are brass players, whereas I'm a woodwind specialist. I play primarily saxophone, that's my first and main instrument. But I also play a little flute, I play a little clarinet. I play some guitar, especially Spanish flamenco guitar, even though I'm the whitest person you ever meet. I do love Spanish guitar. I also play a little keyboard. And my background with the saxophone is actually what helped define who I am. If it hadn't been for music, I, I probably would not be where I am today. I started playing saxophone in the sixth grade. I actually fell in love with it when I was in fourth grade. We were actually at a choir concert of my brother's back when he was in sixth grade. And at the time, they did choir concerts and band concerts at the same time. I guess they did it just to save money. I don't know. But I was very grateful to be able to be at this concert because I heard a guy play saxophone there. And this guy ended up growing up to be one of the best saxophonists in the city. He ended up going to Berkeley School of Music. He's one of the best recording saxophonists in L.A. now. He, You may actually have heard him. Uh, in fact, you have. If you watch Family Guy, you've heard him play saxophone. If you have heard any of the Gordon Goodwin Big Fat, Big Fat Band uh, albums, you've heard him play. He's 
very, very talented. And I was lucky enough to hear him as he was still learning. He was the same age as my older brother. I heard him play and I turned around and I looked at my parents and I said, that's what I want to do. I want to play saxophone. I want to be a musician. And my, my parents kind of chuckled. They, they like, yeah, okay, we'll see what you can do in, in, in two years. We'll see if you're still interested. Well, sixth grade rolls around. I'm in band. I walk up to Mr. Riggle, my sixth grade band director, and I say, I want to play saxophone. He says, all right. My parents went out, got me an alto saxophone, and the rest is history. I ended up growing up to be one of the best saxophonists in the city at the time. Whenever I auditioned for something, I knew I was going to get in, whether it be honor band auditions, district honor band auditions. If I was going out of state for an honor band, I was very confident that I was able to get in. I was actually very blessed. My senior year, I actually went up to Southern Utah University, and I was the only player from Vegas in that in that band. I knew I was good. I knew I was able to make a career out of this. It wasn't until I was a sophomore in college when everything kind of changed. Like I said, music helped define who I was. It helped shape my, my life. If it wasn't for music, I probably would not be the person I am today because I would have gotten into things that music kept me out of. I was so focused. I had such tunnel vision on becoming a better musician, becoming a better, becoming a better saxophone player, that I didn't do things normal teenagers at my school did. Uh, I went to school in one of the, I guess you'd say, ghetto areas of town. There's a sign leading into down the street from my school. When you drive to my school, you enter North Las Vegas, and there's a sign that says, Welcome to Friendly North Las Vegas. And the joke was, they should have a sign right next to it that says, Please put on your bulletproof vest now. Because that's how bad that neighborhood was. It was one of the most rundown areas. I went to one of the oldest schools in the city, and music helped keep me out of all the stuff that that could have happened because of the area of town I went to school in. I could have gotten to drugs. I could have started smoking. I could have started drinking. I could have been a totally different person than I am today. But music, thankfully, saved me from all of that. I never had the interest to smoke because I'm a musician. You know, I need my lungs. If I start putting crap in my lungs, how am I going to play my saxophone? So that never even occurred to me as something that I should even do. I never drank because I would never go to parties. I would never be invited to these things because people knew that I wasn't interested in it. They all knew that I wanted to be a better musician. It was kind of like the black sheep of any group I hung out in. Everybody, they didn't know me because I was Joseph and I was really good at video games, which I was. I ended up starting the video game club at my school and they knew me because I was Joseph, the saxophonist, the best musician in the school, whether it be between band, orchestra, and choir. I was the one getting all the awards. And because of this, I ended up getting very full of myself. I was very confident in my abilities. When I started college, I started with the idea that I would become a musical education major, but I would also try and become a performing saxophonist. I started sending out tapes to different lounges and different bars around town. Even though I was 18, you could still technically play in some of these bars if you didn't drink. Because uh, a lot of bars in, in Vegas, they're not like bars in regular cities. They've got restaurants attached to them because any place in Vegas, you, you can buy booze. It's insane. But I ended up becoming a music education major. My real heart was I wanted to be on the Strip. I wanted to play in a show on the Las Vegas Strip. It wasn't until I was a sophomore in college that this was my dream. I ended up taking a saxophone lesson at the music store I'm still working at. I ended up working at a music store named Kessler & Sons Music. And I still work there seven years later. But my 
my entire focus and my entire outlook on what I want to do with my life has changed because of one lesson I took there by with a guy named Clyde Jones. Now, Clyde is, he's a very, very, very phenomenal saxophonist. He's a very technical saxophonist as well, though. Even though I was producing a great sound, I was able to play my instrument very well. One lesson is all it took for me to have my confidence shattered. He looked at me within the first five minutes of my lesson and said, you're playing wrong. And I was like, what? He said, you're playing wrong. Your embouchure, which in case you're not a, if you, just in case you're not a saxophonist or an instrumentalist, your embouchure is the position of your mouth around the mouthpiece of the instrument you're playing. And how that mouth is positioned, if it's incorrect, it can totally screw up anything you try to do on that instrument. You aren't going to produce the type of clarity of sound you're, you're, you're going for. You are not going to have the same kind of muscle that you need to create the different dips and loops and all the, 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 we call them chops. You know, you're not going to have the longevity. You're not going to be able to play as long as somebody whose embouchure is, is, is correct. They've built up the muscle strength in order to play for long extended periods of time. And Clyde looked at me and he said, your embouchure is wrong. I had been playing this one way for eight years, three years in middle school, four years in high school, one year so far in college. And he told me I'd been playing wrong this entire time. And then he tried to show me how to fix it. That's where everything got screwed up. One of the hardest things you can do is to relearn something. They always say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, this is actually pretty true with an instrumentalist. It's very hard for you to be able to learn an instrument and then try to teach yourself that same instrument. Again, after you've played it for so many years, I can honestly say that I am a worse saxophonist today than I was when I first took that lesson with him because of the fact that we tried changing my entire embouchure. Because of this, it totally shattered any confidence I had in becoming a professional musician. Because at this point, this was the first time somebody told me that I wasn't good enough to be one. I wasn't good enough to obtain that goal. And I would have to relearn everything in order to be good enough. I would have to spend another seven, eight, nine, ten years of just hard, straight work to perfect this embouchure, just so I could get back to the point in which I was at now. After that happened, I just, I, I gave up. I didn't want to do it. I was very resistant at first. I ended up taking lessons with another guy, but at this point, the damage had been done. I had tried changing my embouchure so much that it totally screwed up how I played. I talk about this because this evoked an emotion from me. I was very angry. I was very upset with, with Clyde. I know that it wasn't his fault. He was just, he was doing what he was supposed to do. He was teaching. He was, and you know, if you're doing something wrong, a teacher's supposed to tell you that you're doing something wrong. But his teaching brought about an emotion from me that music would bring about. Now, I'm actually very grateful that this happened because I ended up falling in love with, with languages as well. As many of you guys know, if you know me on Twitter, if you know me on Middle Earth Network, I'm a kind of a Lord of the Rings freak. In fact, it, it should be a, no consequence that the creation of Arda, the world in which Lord of the Rings takes place, was created through music. The Ainur were kind of like the Holy Ones. They created the world that is through their song. So naturally, I was I was attached to this this mythology. I ended up falling in love in love with languages because of this and. Through this also, if I hadn't given up on my dream to become a 
professional saxophonist, I would never have met my beautiful wife. I wouldn't have a three-year-old beautiful, beautiful daughter. Good has come about this. What I'm trying to, to, to say is just because something bad happened in my past when it came to my music, it doesn't mean that you should give up on it. It doesn't mean that you should give up on your dream. Yes, it may be a little bit harder to obtain it. I, I do kind of regret not pursuing it. It isn't until just a few years ago that I have been able to pick up my saxophone and start to love playing again. Because I've just, I don't care anymore. I don't care about my embouchure being wrong. I, I'm so screwed up now, it's not even funny. <laughs> but I'm playing because I like to play. Music as a whole, like I keep saying, evokes an emotion from us. One of the best examples of this emotion would have to be Joaquin Rodrigo's rendition of Concierto de Aran Juez which, he's a Spanish composer, he composed this in 1939, and it's got a, it's three movements. It's originally composed for guitar and an orchestra, uh, the guitarist being the focal point. The most popular part of this, this song, though, is the second movement. Now, you may not be as familiar with it as, as you actually think. You, I can guarantee you, you've heard it in some facet or another, whether you see, heard it in a movie, it's been featured in many commercials, it's been featured in many TV shows, so you've, you've heard the piece, you just may not know you've heard it. But this second movement is such a slow, powerful piece of music. It evokes a sorrowful emotion. What he's trying to get across is the sorrow he and his wife felt after the tragic loss of their, their first child. They actually they miscarried their first child. And he's sitting in the gardens of Aranjuez, and he's just looking at the garden. And he's not able to express in words what this loss of his child meant. It goes back to the old Victor Hugo quote. Music expresses that which cannot be said and on which it is impossible to be silent. Because he, he wasn't able to express his sorrow in words, he expressed it through a facet that many of us take for granted. He expressed it through music. This one movement has influenced many other artists throughout the 20th century. Uh, the movement, the, the, the piece of music actually sounds far older. It sounds like an old Spanish opera. And actually, Mr. Rodrigo ran into some trouble with other, other composers of, of his time playing this piece of music and not paying him the royalties because they thought it was a much older piece. I thought it was out of copyright. There's a very famous jazz composer, a very famous jazz trumpet player named Miles Davis who has revolutionized how jazz is personified and how it's thought of. The theories behind jazz evolved so much during the early part of the 20th century when it first kind of formulated in the 20s. But at that point, up until about 1960, 1970, until Miles Davis kind of came on the scene, it was very standard. You know, you had certain jazz tunes, you had blues, you had ballads, you had fast-paced, you know, I'm trying to think of the composer's name now, and I completely blanked it, but you, you, everyone knows jazz. You know, they know of those fast-paced, intricate improvisations. Well, Miles Davis kind of changed all that. He changed how chord progressions are, are thought of. He actually broke away from jazz a little bit and composed a classical album called Sketches in Spain. This Sketches in Spain album, the main theme of the songs on this, are from Concierto de Aranjuez. This one album actually influenced many other jazz artists after him. 
there was a great composer, he still is a great composer, he's still alive, named Chick Corea, who ended up composing a jazz piece in 1971 called Spain, probably his most famous piece. And one of the versions of Spain actually has, the original version actually, actually has the intro from the Adagio movement, the second movement of Concierto de Aran Juez. But then it, be, then it breaks into a very steady, very, very upbeat samba chord progression, chord rhythm. And it, it goes from there. But music as, it's, as a whole evokes emotion and it influences other musicians around them. You cannot tell me that you haven't been affected by some sort of music in your life, whether it be a tragic song like Evanescence's My Immortal. She's singing about the loss of her three-year-old sister who drowned in a pool. Or to take it to a term in a setting that many of us know, Final Fantasy VII, when Ares is killed. If you were affected like me, you cannot tell me that the sad music behind it, Ares' theme, is setting the mood, it's amplifying the story around it, but yet it's so subtle that you don't really kind of, it doesn't click, that that's what's really helping to set the tone, is the music. If you've ever watched extended features in any movie, a lot of times they have a piece specifically designed for the music and to tell you, show you how the music evolved and how it was written during the uh, production process of the movie. Try watching a movie during a very emotional or very uprising scene and not listen to music in it. One of the best examples that I can I can think of is in the special edition, the special editions of The Last Samurai. They have a part of the battle scene where they're recording the battle scene. They show you a little piece of it without the music. And then they show you with the music. And it's totally night and day different. But yet it's so subtle and it's in the background you don't even think of it. The kind of emotion music evokes, it really grips at us. But yet we have no idea why it doesn't or how it doesn't. I can honestly say one of the reasons why I was drawn to the Quest Gaming Network's line of podcasts before they asked me to start writing for them was the masterful mixing and editing that Joe the Widget Wilson does with the intro music and the music that's underlaid throughout the podcast. No other podcast on the market does that. And I can remember the first time I listened to Skyrim Off the Record, when it was still known as Skyrim Off the Record. And I was just like, wow, this is really well done. I just got done listening to another podcast, and yeah, the podcast had great music, but it wasn't done well, I guess you'd say. The, the intro music was really cool, but then at that point, they just didn't try to do anything with it. They didn't put any music in the show or nothing. And because of this, that, that subtle thought that I think shows should have a musical footprint, every show should have its own, I guess you could say it's its own musical dialogue. Without that music, the show, to me, just doesn't sound complete. And one of the things the Quest Gaming Network did, um, again, I'm not trying to talk them up because I'm writing for them now, I'm really not, but one of the things the Quest Gaming Network did was it, it fulfilled that idea for me because of the masterful mixing. And I, again, I will say masterful because it truly is. It's a great job that Joe does. It's a very hard job, and he's very good at it. Because of that masterful mixing, it kept me as a podcast listener for them. Eventually, they asked me to, to start writing for them, and, and you guys know the story after that. But in closing, I guess I would just say that never limit yourself because of the type of music you listen to. Whether you are an avid rock fan, an avid country fan, if you like rap, if you like hip-hop, if you like blues, if you like soul, 
never limit yourself to just one style or one genre of music. Because what that does is it hamstrings your ideas behind how music is supposed to be. If you love rock, go out and listen to classical. Some of the best rock bands in in the world were first classical guitarists or classically trained. One band in particular I can think of is Dream Theater. Arguably one of the best instrumentalists out there. Instrumental bands out there. They were all trained at Berklee College of Music, classically. Don't limit yourself because you only like one genre of music. Listen to some classical. Listen to some jazz. Listen to some hip-hop. Listen to some rap. Listen to everything because it will make you a much better connoisseur of the type of music that you truly appreciate. Because then you can hear all these other artists that influence and evoke the emotions in your favorite artist. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you really enjoyed this. If you have any other questions or any any comments you want to make to me about music, or if you have any you know, recommendations or if you want some recommendations on some stuff to listen to, hit me up on Twitter, at L-O-T-R-Lore. You can also email me, L-O-T-R-Lore at Yahoo.com. Hit me up on Skype, obviously, L-O-T-R-Lore. Thanks, have a great day, Namadiate.